Welcome to my den. And you may notice that my den sounds a little bit different today. And that's because I'm coming to you from 8,000 feet above sea level in Colombia, South America. And my new office, if I could describe it to you, is a quaint little room in a cabin with no air conditioning and a 360 view of the gorgeous mountains of Medellin, Colombia. It is spectacular. It is so refreshing. And in the coming weeks, you might hear dogs barking during the recording. I have no sound insulation whatsoever. So enjoy the natural environment of, of my new office here. Well, I am so excited to come back to you all as a digital nomad. And if you're not familiar with that term, look it up right now. It's becoming a huge trend, not just with native digitals, but other people as well who are looking to live life more fully before retirement. I am excited to introduce today's guest to you. Lauren Greif is such a good friend of mine, and we just met a few months ago, and she already feels like a, a second parent to me, um, such an incredible mentor. But I wanted to share a little bit about her story, because in today's recording, we get more tactical. We talk about the, the, the life of a native digital in terms of a native digital career search. We talk about Lauren's son, Sam, who is a native digital through and through and used Lauren's techniques to land his dream job. We talk about setting yourself apart during the application, the interviewing and the hiring process, because that's what Lauren's an expert in. But let me tell you a little bit about her as a person. She's one of the most energetic and kind people I've ever met. And uh, her story goes like this. On a Monday, I don't know who else does this, but on a Monday, Lauren handed in her resignation for a job she had spent her entire career working for. Maybe some of you can relate. That was two years ago at age 56. And she had spent 30 years in corporate creative roles um, also serving as the youngest vice president ever at J. Walter Thompson in New York. But a couple years ago, as with, uh, what happened with many of us, she figured out that corporate America was no longer working for her. And so she founded Portfolio Rocket, which is the company she and I met through. It is an incredible, incredible and different um, sort of training organization around recruiting that, that I've ever seen. But the way she describes it is she helps people, specifically executives, find and access the hidden job market, uh, specifically 80 to 85% of the unposted jobs that are out there. Uh, she was telling me recently before this recording she helped an HR executive land a position in a different company. And, and this position paid $100,000 more than her previous position. So I'm really excited for Lauren to share tactics with you today. But if you get a chance to go to her LinkedIn, look at the rest of her story. Lauren is a cancer survivor. She is a, just one of the most energetic people that you'll ever meet and is such a servant-hearted person. I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation today. And if you are looking for a way to connect with her after the show, 
go check out her Blast and a Half LinkedIn Lives. So if you just go to Lauren Greif, G-R-E-I-F-F on LinkedIn, you can get notifications for Blast and a Half, where she brings guests onto her show and has some incredibly energizing conversations. I am excited to share this topic with you today and share Lauren with you. But in the meantime, don't forget that if you're looking to become a top 1% employer of Gen Z, you cannot forget to check out Analog Academy. We have a free masterclass the second and fourth Thursdays of every single month where we give you tactical strategies to become a top 1% native digital employer. You can register at hannahgwilliams.com forward slash get that shit. You're listening to Native Digital, Native Analog, the show where we unpack the collisions and commonalities between my generation and yours. I believe that if you don't have a Native Digital on your board of directors, your leadership team, or at least one you pay to pester you like a fly in your ear, your business won't survive. Let's change that today. All right, let's let's jump in. All right, let's snip go. snap. Lauren, it is such a joy to have you on the show. I'm, I'm so grateful. And after we got to meet last week in person, this is it. Just is icing on the cake. So it's like we're stuck. We're stuck together in all the best ways, like peanut butter and peanut butter and jelly, parrot keys, parrots. <laughs> Peas and carrots. Oh my God. I hope you don't mess that up because I want the flubs in there because it's so, it's so me to have something so irregular. Oh yeah. We keep, we keep everything in. That's, that's the point. Um, I was going to, I thought you were about to say like peanut butter and pajamas. <laughs> I was like, what? That would work too. <laughs> peanut butter and pajamas. I, so what else did you guys do when you were here in Asheville after the wedding? Oh my God. Well, we went to the shower and we of course went to the Biltmore and that was really fantastic and sniffed all the roses in the rose garden and ended up having a wonderful picnic, which was amazing. And then we went to a taco truck, um, the following night. And that was also super fun and got the local flavor, waited in line, did the whole thing. And like I said, I was near tears when I was leaving. I was like, oh no, take me back. But soon, soon. That's how I felt when I left. I think I told you I grew up, grew up in Asheville, but then left to live elsewhere for a couple of years. And as soon as I got back home, I was like, why did, why did I ever try to live somewhere else? You know, what, what was my reasoning? But I don't think I appreciated it until I came back. Funny how that is, right? As we get, as, as we get older, our parents get smarter. Yes. Yes. They're like the ones who chose, you know, this is the place that I'm going to birth you and raise you. Right. And of course, you know, my whole childhood, I'm thinking, how quickly can I get away? And of course. turns out they were smart yeah. <laughs> as usual. Right. Okay. So I, I, have, I have to know, because you said when we were, when we were having coffee that you've had an interesting background that I had just not heard before from you. What? So you had cancer, right? 
and mm-hmm. you, okay, just tell, tell me your, your life story from how so, you worked at, was it Wonderman Thompson as well? I, it was J. Walter Thompson, which okay. is, of course, a global advertising agency. So even though I understand that people tell their history, sometimes it can be a big snore. And I definitely don't want to do that because we're not here to put anybody to sleep. So here's the short story. I'm a design junkie. Um, design isn't just a nice to have for me, it's my oxygen. I treat my whole life like a canvas. As you can tell, I have a pretty groovy background, at least I think so. Um, I design my medicine cabinet, everything on a plate is another palette. So I'm constantly in that place. And so I started in advertising. I knew after I went to college, this is it, I'm going there. And of course, loved it, loved it, loved it. And um, like so many of us burnt out and realized, you know what? While this advertising thing is awesome, there's a whole new world here with this thing called, you know, the World Wide Web. And so I decided, you know, I better get on this bus because it's moving very quickly and I need to stay present with how marketplaces move, how people are constantly innovating and staying at the cusp of what's next, what's next, what's next. And that's very much my personality that I am somewhat tireless in terms of my learning. I am also curious, like crazy, about what are the influencing factors to how people make decisions and certainly what we need to do as consumers and or as professionals and or leaders within the world to stay current. And so I was recruited to recruit after that, after I worked on within global organizations, running teams, um, traveling a ton, and then got recruited to recruit, to recruit creatives for enterprise level organizations and did that for a number of years. And finally, at my last big kind of like corporate role, um, I lasted about 10 months and I was like, this is not going to happen anymore. I am not literally cannot stand one more day and went in on a Monday and resigned, had no backup plan, nothing, zero, had no idea. I just knew I couldn't do it anymore because I kept seeing the same problem over and over and over again, no matter what, which was brilliant people, talented, accomplished, high performers who were victims to their careers and their job search, clueless about how to really present themselves in a way that would enable a company to transform, not to just get hired. (laughs) Nobody wants to just hire a person. They want somebody to do something when they get there. And so how do you become that transformer? How do you become that top one or 0.1% of the candidates who are out there and be the change maker? So I launched Portfolio Rocket about two plus years ago, and it's been not only a dream for me, but most importantly, I am seeing unbelievable real-time, everyday, ins and out success from my clients. And I always say to them, you know, I live for your success, which is true. I so much love that about 
you. Like that just exudes from every part of your personality in so many ways. I, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing to just talk with you. And I, I did want to ask you though, like you said, no one wants to just hire a person and people were the people that you've worked with are victims to their careers. What do you mean by victim? Victim means that you are essentially passively involved with your search in what I often refer to as the wait and see game. I sent this application out and now I'm just waiting to hear back from them. I had this interview and I haven't heard back, but I'm just waiting to hear back from them. I don't even have a job description, so I don't know if I should apply to it. Well, guess what? They call me the excuse exterminator for a reason. Go write the job description and present it to somebody who's a decision maker. And now you have yourself a conversation. Like why, why are you, why are you allowing that when you don't have to? So you're seeing the victim, I guess, mentality or being victim to a career in the job search. And I would assume also post, you know, acceptance of the job. Someone sure. remains in that career for a long time and they're, they're victims or I guess slaves to what they think their life should look like. Is that right. a fair, fair assumption? Yes. I think that um, in specifically the career space, to some degree, this is no one's fault. We've all been taught this, at least the digital analogs have, you know, there is this thing called a job description. And now I have to go through this litany of qualifications and skills. Oh, I'm a 90% match. I must be good for this role. Who says maybe there are other roles that you're better, uh, that the better opportunity that may not be available in your plain sight. So very much of this in the passive approach is applying to open positions, which is essentially only 20 to 25% of the opportunities that are truly available. Right. They're missing out on the well majority, the lion's share of opportunities do not show up on job boards. Right. They show up through people talking, having conversations, being able to demonstrate how they are skilled and have previously done like things that are notable that somebody would need to have that problem solved for at their organization. Did you ever find yourself as a victim to your career? Everything. (laughs) All of it. Yes. Victim to my career, um, mostly from a huge lack of confidence and also not knowing any different. I mean, a lot of it was just the plain old ignorance. I didn't know another way. And I also didn't know how to apply it. Even if I had known what that thing was, great. Now what? I really didn't know how to put it into practice and have that effort be efficient, scalable, and and driven towards a particular result. So yes, I've been victim to my career. I've been a victim in my life. I've been a victim in so many places. And I don't say that like, oh, that's a great thing. I'm not proud of it. Uh, But I have learned over the years that there are, are a lot of choices. And 
these days I, I do not choose the the former. I will always go for the latter. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, I think that is so encouraging to some people who have been, you know, a victim of their own career or currently are and are trying to figure out where do I go. And so let me let me just paint this picture, Lauren, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. And I want to get back to your story in a second and, and hear hear some more some more things about you. But let me paint this picture. So one of the things that I've been doing and my company has been doing research around and talking through with a, a variety of leaders and organizations is this concept of the native digital and the native analog, right? So I mean, the whole this whole podcast is based on this idea that we're coming, we're approaching every aspect of life differently, right? So if you're under age 30, you think work and play from an entirely different perspective, and then you have the native analog generation. So all of my guests who are coming in and saying, I, you know, my approach, even when I was in, in college or a teenager to the same exact ways of finding a job, for example, they just, the, the methods looked entirely different. So I wanted to ask you when a native analog, so say someone who's had 20, 30 years in a career, when they are trying, they find themselves victims of their career and they've had this maybe a great experience with a company they've been with for a long time, but now they find themselves victims of their career and they want a shift, but they try to re-enter the market and find, oh my gosh, the ways of finding and landing that job look entirely different from 30 years ago. What skills or what um recommendations do you have for someone in that space who's trying to traverse in a very short span of time the native analog and the native digital divide when they're trying to find a job? So great question and important question because this is a lot of the audience that I serve. Many of the folks that I work with have been sheltering in positions for a significant period of time, oftentimes double digits, more than 20 years. If people that worked previously at Rolex or at Ikea or at WeWork that had really been in jobs for double digits. And then they enter this marketplace and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not in Kansas anymore. What the leap? right? What WTF? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Or they find themselves that they've been trying this for, for a little while and thinking they could still continue doing it the old way. And they're just so frustrated. What I have to do is ask them to come empty, empty, empty all your old ideas, literally dump them out. And I will make some very strong analogies like when was the last time you used a landline? You know, you probably haven't in a long time. And if somebody's trying to reach you on your landline, if you even have one, you're not going to be answering right away. So I have to explain how archaic and prehistoric that that methodology is. Sometimes it's better if they've tried it and they come in frustrated so that they don't need me to, to validate that for them. They've already figured out that on their own. 
I don't want to interrupt you, but let's go into that just a little bit deeper. What would be some of those equivalents in the job search, the equivalents to calling on a landline? Oh my God. All I need to do is just update my resume. Ah. You know. (laughs) Do you get on the call with them and go, ah? <laughs> Every time you get an answer like that, big, I want, like, some big, X, big X, big X, big X, or I have been applying online and, you know, hitting those apply now buttons and I keep getting rejected. I keep being told I'm overqualified. And another one. Let's put all your eggs in, in, in this automated basket and let them find out who you are that way. Let's compete against thousands and thousands and thousands of candidates and then complain that you're treated like a number. <laughs> oh my, make me crazy. So many of these people, of, of, of these folks who, who I, I love working with because the results are so quickly because once they start adopting a lot of this new methodology, they're like, I cannot believe that this worked. I have, I have somebody that just right before this call sent me an, a message saying, you know, that thing about writing a job description, I can't even believe this. I did this with a, with a opportunity that went dark months ago and I've had two conversations since that was a week ago that she wrote, that she wrote this job description, two conversations since. So if you are playing on the sidelines and sitting in the grandstand, it's not going to work. Get on the field and get dirty. Thank you for that. I I love that analogy. It's It's so important. And it brings up one of these misconceptions that I'd love to get your reactions to, which is, Most people, when I talk about this concept of native digital and native analog, most people assume that the way to be a digital savvy job hunter is to use as many online, you know, apply now buttons as possible, right? They, they, it's almost like the assumption is if you're natively digital or, or trying to act like a native digital, you should go use the online career sites, the apply now buttons. And then people wonder, why is that not working for me? And I have to go, wait a second, Eh, hold on, (laughs) back up a second. You don't realize that being a native digital uh, means that you recognize how crowded the digital space is, that there are new, di- there are new frontiers of, of digital spaces and horizons. I mean, I just looked at, um, I saw that Wonderman Thompson, speaking of where you came from, just launched a metaverse component of their business and you can enter the metaverse and they have their customer engagement. And I just, my real estate agent, we're working on a, a renovation project right now and her real estate agency has a, a digital or virtual world. Oh, I love the fire truck in the background. <laughs> you know, it's Chicago. Um, yes. That, uh, so basically the virtual component has become equivalent in that sphere, if not more important than the, the analog one or the physical reality, because most of the sales and the transactions and the support are happening in this digital space. And so I, I just, 
wanted to get your reactions on this idea of have we gone too far digital or made some assumptions about the digital world that don't actually help in the in the process of finding a job or, or trying to stand out. So here's where I want to make this very important uh, distinction and delineation. Being a native analog or native digital requires that you have an ability to use that technology for its agile appropriateness, okay? Do not apply or spend your life applying online as your main meal. In a perfect world, it should be 20% online and 80% at the marketplace networking. Strategically networking, caveat. I'll explain that in a minute. The usage of the internet isn't just through that portal. It's how adept you are in being able to understand from a research perspective, how are you using tools like LinkedIn? How are you using your capabilities to try out that app and find out where the holes are? How are you going through that experiential opportunity that you have with a company that you may be interviewing for where you have, you know, bought an NFT through them? You know, use it, use it not as a, an easy <laughs> drive-through cheat to avoid doing the harder work. Use it as an adjunct to be able to come in informed. I love that so much. And it paints a clear picture, whether someone's seeking a job or even just thinking about what could a, a different career path look like in the future, that the assumptions that we make about the digital world, in, in making those assumptions, we often forget there's still a human being at the end of that decision-making process and standing out in that world, I'll be the first to say as a native digital, that analog methods have become more uh, impactful because of the, the, the digital swarm, the digital noise. And it is going, it, that, that's ultimately just how you have to stand out from my perspective. I'm going to call out my, myself and like drop a cliche, which is people hire people. They're not going to hire a resume. They're not going to hire a LinkedIn profile. They're not going to hire an avatar. They're not going to hire anything other than an actual person. Where they sit in the world, who cares? But this person is who they're going to make a decision around. And separately, of the folks who are classified as native digitals, they're the ones that seek recommendations from their friends the most. So it is a natural evolution that they are going to be very adept in making those referrals. Oh, I work at this company. Oh, I work at this company. As soon as I told you about my son, Sam, you, what did you say? Oh, can I introduce her to my, to my sister? Sure. 
I'm so, so glad you brought that up. And I was, I was going to ask you about Sam as well, because yeah, my sister, Sam got to connect with your son, Sam. And that it's, it, that's exactly how job search goes for native digital, right? You hear about this incredible company. So in your case, I think we spoke to Sam, to your, your son, Sam, when he was in Mexico city. He was in Mexico. He was in, he was in San Miguel de Allende, yeah. Okay, he was in San Miguel, and he was living in an Airbnb and works for a company where, where was he going next? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it, I can't even put my finger on it. <laughs> I told you that, like, back in the day when he was a kid, we used to call him Sam, where Sam, well, it's, like, completely brought on a whole new facet of, of who he is as a 20-year-old. So his company moved him to San Miguel so that he could become fluent in Spanish. And while he was there, learned to salsa dance, uh, learned to paint, did all these things. And the reason why he joined this organization was yes, he, he um, through a friend of a friend of a friend, heard about this company and then he met the CEO from there, what I understand is it wasn't, that wasn't the end of the conversation because the company called Bucket Listers is all about living your bucket list. So he took it upon himself to use some digital tools like his camera and Instagram and other related tools to support the fact that this opportunity for him to do what they wanted him to do in business development, build these programs and travel wasn't something that was allocated to this role. This was his life. And he would send them pictures of wherever he was, whether he was in New York, whether he was in Boston, whether he was in Philly, wherever he was, hashtag them on his posts and keep them top of mind. Keep himself as somebody who is competing for this role would do. Because that's how he ultimately it. landed the job. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So he was essentially positioning himself through the use of digital tools, if I'm hearing you correctly. So he's Correct. he whatever city he's in, whether he's in Iceland or Boston or wherever he is. He was posting, tagging his dream company, and he did that consistently enough where he popped to the top of the, the CEO's radar. Who is this kid? Who, who's this guy who's spending this much time giving us content that we can then use to promote on our platform? It, he sounds interesting. Is, is that what happened? So, so he had that initial conversation with the CEO first, and then just so he didn't drop off of their radar, this is how he, instead of the typical, you know, three to five days after you have that interview, I'm reaching out to follow up to about my candidacy, yada, 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 big snore. He didn't wait. He wasn't a victim. He didn't wait. And as soon as he was done with that conversation, he started building out a, a, a drip where he would every couple days or whatever, and bring this whole concept of their, of their company and living your bucket lister to life through his eyes as further support that he wasn't just somebody who had the skills. He was the person 
who embodied the entire spirit mission values of the organization. I love that so much. And it, it really illustrates well this concept that I had to brand because I didn't think of any, I couldn't think of any other way to describe this, but it's this concept called the narcissist story. And it kind of has a negative connotation if you don't hear it properly, but that's the point. It's Gen Z, including myself, including Sam, including my sister, Sam. There's a a bit of a, uh, a narcissism that comes with literally everything in our life, the way we portray ourselves online, our avatars, our Insta stories, whatever those things are, become a part of the brand we want to portray. And now you see this showing up in the job search, this personal story, in, embodied along with this this uh, desire to live a fulfilled life starts showing up in how we job search. So I love that example of Sam because he was saying, through my eyes, here's what I'm experiencing. Hashtag bucket listers, you know, <laughs> use this content through my eyes. This is, I'm your target population. I'm your target bucket lister. I'm also your target employee. And and literally anyone could use that in the job search, but so anyone, few people do, anyone. right? Anyone. It does, it does take a couple of things. <laughs> Risk and embracing it. Right. You got to be willing to grow a pair. You do because it's, it's, it can be uncomfortable for people. The second one is consistency. You know, it wasn't one time that he did it and go, now what? You know, I didn't hear from them. Blah, 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 blah. He, he did it with no expectation. Yes, of course, I'm sure his fingers were crossed and he wanted to have some response, but he didn't do it with some kind of ulterior motive that, oh, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get a job. He did it because he had already built some level of um, likability with this guy. and He knew that he would be into it. And then thirdly, what I want to say is that you have to think differently. You cannot go, you have to embrace a level of disruption. A lot of times I'll say disruption is your BFF. That personal blanding don't work. Do not bland yourself out. No beige. <laughs> that is so boring. <laughs> disruption is your BFF. You should you should design some shirts. Do you have that on a shirt Wait. already? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That, you that need that, would, that would portfolio rocket have like disruptions, your BFF. And what was the second one you just said? Uh, I bland think I said is your personal, personal bland, <laughs> personal blanding versus personal branding that I did not coin. That came from a colleague of mine, Kevin D Turner. Okay. But it is brilliant. You could still have a t-shirt and cite him at the bottom. I, I would yes. absolutely buy that t-shirt. Yes. Get rid of your personal blanding. Yes. Exactly. Isn't that great? It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's a, it's a very clunky, but amazing, uh, shift into where I want to go next with this conversation. And I, I really, Lauren, I know we've had some conversations. I've gotten to know you a little bit, but I, I really have to hear this story of how you like your, your life from your teenage years into college. What, what, 
compelled you to spend, say, 30 years at what was, I guess, J. Walter Thompson, uh, being that you're someone who does come from the native analog generation, and that was kind of a thing, I know, you know, staying in a career for a long time and, and all of that, but you're also someone, every time I talk to you, I just think, if you if you just like did some I don't know got your hair dyed <laughs> things you could totally pass for a native digital, um, but like what what compelled you to stay with the same organization for a long time and and then yeah what's been the shift since then? So just to clarify, I wasn't at JWT for thirty years. I had been in marketing and talent for thirty oh, years, but not at okay. the same company. No 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 no. I I no 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 no. So how so, long were you there? I was there for about six years, but okay. then moved to other agencies and then moved over to in-house teams and then got recruited to recruit and all that good stuff. But um, to answer your question, I think I think that it's um, a really big disservice and cop-out, no matter what chronological age you are, to use that as a hall pass to not stay current with whatever, wherever you are in the marketplace. You know, just as a, as a point of reference, some, some stats, SRAM, which is the governing body of HR says, no matter what your total compensation package is, about five to 7% of, of your compensation should be allocated to personal development and learning. And so I ask some of the people that I work with, okay, so what are you doing with your bank account? What are you doing with that, with that nice chunk of change? What are you doing to upskill? What are you doing to cross skill? Because that's where people really get into trouble and they find themselves being irrelevant I think it's part of my nature. I also think that um, I'm blessed with high energy. I always have. I've been told that, you know, from the time I'm two, that, you know, you'll probably end up sleeping when you're dead. And I totally believe that. Uh, I have probably equal or as much energy as a 20-year-old, and I'm grateful for it. But it's not the fact that I have it. I think it's what I do with it. I think that, you know, I have a Web 3.0 tutor right now. He's 22. I have a communication coach who you know, who's 26. Obviously, you and I are best friends. When you're older, learn from younger people. When you're younger, learn from older people. My dad taught me that, and I completely completely endorse and practice that. Sam, when I was in, in Mexico with him, we went to go have lunch with some friends. They were 87 years old. I was like, dang, that's cool. That's really amazing. So take it and, 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 and remove any kind of um, myopic level of thinking that says, oh, I can only relate, learn, and or develop relationships with people who are my peers. Simply not true. And it's certainly not true in the workplace. And you know that better than anyone else. I can appeal to people who are significantly older and significantly younger. 
And I think, and, and, and that's not me necessarily. I think that that's just a mindset and a, a level of attitude that I have. Who says, who says you don't have to? I mean, you'll hardly ever hear me say, oh, you know, I'm getting old and I can't do this or I can't do that. That's not going to happen. So what I'm hearing you say is sometimes staying in a career or with a certain company for a long time is that easy hall pass to not having to push yourself or or to grow outside of it. It's a, it's a, a place of comfort. Is that essentially what you're saying and the reasons people should push themselves to to develop themselves and not stay stagnant? I'm saying that I'm saying um, some of those things for sure. I'm saying that it is incumbent upon you, whether you're a professional, a person, a student, to always be expanding your frame of learning. And if we don't, if, we're dying. <laughs> if you don't, you'll die. And also, you will watch your competition eat your lunch. And it's really, um, it's really not an option. It is a requirement for people in the world. I don't know how many people necessarily, a lot of people do agree with that and a lot of people may not, but getting stuck and then finding yourself at a level of irrelevance or being outdated or, you know, being passed over is very often a result, uh, uh, the results of the fact that you haven't brought anything new to the table. And 100%. so warning, 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 warning. Absolutely. And it's interesting to hear you say that from the perspective of the job search too, of, of helping people land jobs. I imagine your, the work that you do with your clients has got to be so much harder when someone has not had that perspective of intense curiosity and learning for 20 years. It's, and you may not choose to work with those people because it's like, I imagined kind of pushing a boulder uphill to say, you've, you know, you've been feeling stagnant for so long and now you're trying to adjust your entire way of, of thinking suddenly. If they're willing, I'm in. I don't, I will not drag anyone, but if they are willing, I'm all in. That's really the primary caveat. Fair enough. <laughs> it's all about, uh, if they've hit rock bottom. If, if, if they're just, you know, they're, they're like, I don't know what to do. Just, just basically like I'm really open to hearing what has been effective and what you what you're doing that has, you know, driven my friend over here to get this crazy package. You know, how do I do that? It's like, well, I'm glad you asked. You know, I'm going to share with you what this looks like. And then you're going to decide if you are willing to go to this effort because I can't do it for you. I'm not Absolutely. a headhunter. I'm not going to show up with an with an open role and say, "Okay, I think you're a good fit for this." I don't match make. I'm teaching you how to do this so that you learn this now and for your next search, your next and your next. This is a body of learning that you can use in a scalable way 
because for 99% of the people that I'm working with, this is not their last rodeo. So don't think short term. Think in the sense of what am I going to do today to invest in myself? And then what am I going to do so that investment continues to pay off? Right. Be smart about it. So in, we've only got a couple minutes left. So I want to ask you one closing question. If someone is in that frustration, that part of their job search, maybe they've just chosen to leave their career, or maybe they're still working at a company and just thinking, oh gosh, this is, this is not where I need to be for any, any longer. What would you say is the first thing they need to be thinking about or doing to help them feel it, cross that bridge you were talking about earlier of, you know, getting to the place where they realize I've got to make a change. Like what, what would be that first step or the first piece of advice that you would give someone who's in that rocky road place? So is that, I just want to clarify, is that that they're thinking about it? They're already decided what would be the first step either in the process of indecision or when they're like, it's, it's done. I got to go. When they're in the process of indecision, they don't know what's right or what's wrong, what's up or what's down. Yes. This is, this sounds very easy. Um, and it's one of the hardest exercises that anybody that I talk to goes through and it harkens back to Simon Sinek and talking about finding your why. I can promise you this. People will not hire what you do. Nobody cares about your title. Nobody cares that you have 20 years. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's that's a nice credential. But what they really care about is why you do it. I could easily come on your show or talk to anybody and say, I'm a coach. And they're going to be like, oh, my goodness. Another one, please. Really? You're a coach? Wow, good for you. But if they hear me say, the reason why I do what I do is because I'm here to replace the dreaded job search. I'm here to replace it with a curriculum that makes it scalable and allows you as a seeker to be found for what you're looking for, earn massive levels of compensation and have fun in the process. Yeah. Now they're interested. Fun. You're going to tell me that the search can be fun. Yeah, I am. And watch me. Let's do it. I love those closing words. So thank you for, for that advice. And it just reminds me every day. I, I need to go back to why I do what I do and not forget that it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day in the tactical and forget the why. And I I actually got one of the, um, one of those markers that you can write on your mirror and then wipe away where I can just write my why, like what are, why, why, when I look at that every morning, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I a human on this planet that is, is choosing to put my energy toward this specific thing. Um, and I think I, I love, I just love those words. That advice is so crucial, whether Thank someone's you. in the job search or not. Someone's in the job search or not, you know, you, it sounds like you have a lot of time, especially when you're, you're under 30 and 
you want to you want to be doing it in a way that you're fully invested in. Use that time well. Decide what it is. And if you don't know, you know, if you don't know, that's okay too. You don't have to have, you know, your why locked down. Many people don't. But I definitely encourage you, and there's a lot, a lot of um, a very simple formula that I share with my clients. Happy to send that to you in the show notes or whatever you want. But um, by all means, it doesn't, it's not a complicated exercise, but it does require a little soul searching. Awesome. I've so enjoyed this, Lauren. Thank you for your energy and your <laughs> brightness. And I, I, you're always welcome back. This is, this has been so much fun. Thank you. I big love and thank you for everything that you're doing for both native analogs and native digitals. Thank you, Hannah, a true, a true groundbreaker. So I appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening to the Native Digital, Native Analog Show. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. If you're looking to connect and talk more about attracting and retaining Native Digitals, you can reach me at hannahgwilliams.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,